in between fantasy football podcast season four let's go baby yeah there was a time i had trouble talking about it congratulate them we know they doubted somehow we made it up out the pit back against the wall never quit traversing through each obstacle show a non-believer what's possible let nothing they can do stand in between me and my wildest dreams let's go that come at us could come in between life gave me the worst yet my side grew so green we've been down in the dirt been tossed in the trash but i never strayed from my path when we're gone we ain't looking back maybe we were all way too high maybe that's our fault it's gonna be a crazy time but it's gonna be a fun time life is boring if you don't take some chances and do some things outside the box your destination for both some feel good lifestyle advice and some fancy football advice all right all right all right welcome in everyone it is september 27th We are closing the door on NFL Week 3 and opening up a brand new chapter tonight of Week 4. Tonight, joining me, Seth Wilcock, is the Colorado couple, the beauty, the brawn of the relationship, Jennifer Pulvote, and on the other side, her other half as well, Nate Pulvote. I will say this is a glorious day for my friend Nate. He called the Khalil Herbert breakout early in the season. So Nate, you're still all right too. But Jen, I start with you because ladies first, how are you doing this fine Tuesday evening? Good. Good, man. Can't complain. I mean, I just completed probably my 700th game of Candyland with Jackson. He's (laughs) obsessed with it right now. So it's like every five minutes he wants to play Candyland and I'm over it. So other than that, you know, I'm glad he's, I'm glad he's having fun, but (laughs) <laughs> it's boring for mommy. Candyland, a lit game, a crazy game. Yep. I hate when I get one of those cards and it's like, oh, go back three quarters of the board. Wombert. Happens to me every time. Every time. We're like at the end getting ready to finish this stupid game. <laughs> and it's like, go back to Peanut. And I'm like, <laughs> why? Why me? <laughs> Nate, how are you doing, my friend? Uh, a lot of Candyland games for you recently as well. No, Jen gets the bread of the candy land. I played like two with him, I think. And things are great, man. It's football season. I can't complain. We're in the thick of it. We're busy. We're loving every minute of it. Lots going on. So gives Excellent. us stuff to do. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you guys being here tonight. I appreciate our guy Kyle in the back end. And we got some of the IBT family in here as well tonight. Good evening, everyone. Brad Bolt, hello. Thank you for tuning in, Brad, all the way out there from Australia. Always appreciate you. Royal Slade, late start tonight. Yeah, we had a little bit of tech issues. It happens here. Um, You know, that's part of it. But we appreciate you guys sticking around. Albert, good evening, everyone. Good evening to you, Albert. Always so kind, Albert is. We appreciate him as well. Tonight on the show, guys, we're going to do a little something different. We're going to talk about long-term outcomes out of week three. What are some things that we are taking away from it? And like it or not, what we think it's going to matter for the fantasy football future. We're also going to talk about who is real, who is here to stay in this wide receiver RB1 discussion. It's been crazy. It always is looking at these names when you actually look at who are the RB1s, who are the wide receiver ones through the first couple weeks. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk talk about some waivers as well. Who are some waiver wire fines? Who are some free agent fines that you can spend a little bit of fab on? Like I said, Nate called Khalil Herbert a couple weeks ago. We've been getting some of these guys a few weeks early. So we're going to continue to help you save that waiver priority, save that fab. 
If this is your first time joining us tonight on the IBT YouTube channel, please like and subscribe. It's the easiest way to support us here. We have fantasy football, fantasy uh, sports content coming out for you seven days a week during the season. So subscribe, stick around, and enjoy the good vibes. And let's get into some headline hijinks. <laughs> All right, headline hijinks, guys. We're going to do like it or not tonight. So these are like it or not headlines, outcomes from week three that we think are going to matter moving forward. And Nate, since I was so rude to you earlier and deferred to your wife, please take (laughs) us away, my friend. All right, so my first one, like it or not, Jacksonville is the pride of the AFC South at two and one. I don't think anybody thought they would be leading the division. I think most of us assumed it would be Indy. But this offense has been way better than I think any of us expected, really. Right now, they have got T-Law, who is the QB 10 overall. J-Rob's the PPR RB3. Kirk's the PPR wide receiver 6. And Evan Ingram is the PPR tight end 14. This team's a lot better than I think anyone thought they were going to be through three games. I agree completely. I mean, Doug Peterson has turned this ship around, Nate. And it's led to some fantasy football gold. I mean... Uh We're going to talk about Christian Kirk later. Is is he the real deal? We put him on the thumbnail because we think he might be a wide receiver one moving forward. James Robinson, we talked about him in week one. We didn't expect that type of bounce back. So it's been really fancy football gold. And the team, Jen, from the defense down has looked fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. I mean, we're going to touch on a couple Jacksonville players here a little bit later. But, I mean, this last week's game, what was it, 38-10? something crazy yep. like what in the what is happening and and Trevor Lawrence looked good he looked good well it's against a good Chargers defense they were missing a couple of pieces but like overall like the yeah. meat of that defense was still there and he Trevor Lawrence still managed to do it he played well James Robinson coming off of an Achilles tear is looking like he's a rookie fresh mm-hmm. legs it's crazy Modern medicine has gone a long way and paying Christian Kirk, Zay Jones. I mean, these are guys we talked about in the offseason making an impact and they're doing it right before our eyes. I think this headline, Nate, probably means almost a little more for betting right now. Like the sure. odds, of, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are the favorites now to win this division, but maybe go out to your local sports book, put a little bit of a bet on them to win that division. You might come out a couple bit bucks richer by the end of the season here. Um, but I think we're buying into Jacksonville is what you're saying here, Nate. Jen, um, I would love to hear your first uh, like it or not as well. Okay. All right. We'll go with Broncos got in the wrong line for a new ride. I mean, it's just been, it's not even a roller coaster. It's like, I, I can't even liken it to a ride besides maybe like a train. Like you just yeah. get on and you go round and round and round and round. And there's yeah. nothing really exciting about it. I love the two wins, but otherwise it's like, let's ride just is not, it's not working anymore. It's not. And even with them bringing in what's his face to help out Nathaniel Hackett, I didn't see that big of a difference this week. Did either of you guys? Clock yeah. management, I felt like it was slightly better, but only slightly. I At mean, least the crowd only had to count down the play clock one time. 
the three and outs were just ridiculous though. Like so many three and outs, like the giants and the Cowboys last night looked way better offensively than the Broncos did on Sunday night football. Maybe gets better here in week four. That's kind of my hope. Really good matchup for them against the Las Vegas Raiders. But Simon came on our show Friday, Nate, and he described it perfectly. Like this is a spooky offense to start and it is spooky season coming up. But like, I thought Jerry Judy was my all in and I kind of feel like I have pie in my face a little bit right now from that. Cortland Sutton's been shaky. Alberto, I mean, he, he's waiver wire fodder at this point. And even Javante, like you don't feel great about starting. I think this matchup here in week four is pivotal, Nate. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. First of all, it's their biggest division rival. So this means something extra to the fan base and to the team and the franchise. But what we need to see is what Peyton Manning did his first season. This has been referenced so much that his first three games are pretty similar to what Russell Wilson has done through his first three. Now we need to see him adapt to this offense and just kind of break out. My concern is that what we're going to find out is this is actually a Nathaniel Hackett problem and not a new coach, new team, new quarterback problem, that it's just way deeper than that. Well, I feel like Russell Wilson's just being far too polite. Like he, he's kind of like, well, I'm in a new office on a new team with a new company. So I I don't want to, you know, rock the boat, create waves. And I think towards the end of the game, what we saw was Russell Wilson basically saying, bleep that I'm doing this. This is what I want to do. I'm going to call audibles. I'm calling the plays here, get on board or get off the boat. And it worked well, and that's what they should do. The same thing they did with Peyton Manning. Jen and I talked about this on Sunday during the game. When was Peyton Manning successful when he was calling the plays? Russell Wilson is a successful play caller. He's good at audibling. Just let him roll. Yeah. Like, let's actually ride. I agree. I agree. Let's stop cooking up some microwave meals and let's throw up the smoker here. We do have some new faces in the chat tonight. I want to say hello to them. Hey, what's up, Craig? Good to hear from you. Gordon is getting way too more attention than I thought this year. Yeah, Gordon's getting some love, but I think we knew that a little bit coming into the season. He wasn't going anywhere. We got Che here from Wyoming. What's up, Che? Good to see you tonight. He's got a question for us. Let's see if we can help him out here quickly, guys. In a full PPR, my RBs are Kamara Swift and AJ Dillon. With Swift out, can I start Kamara and Dillon? Okay, with Swift out, I can start Kamara and Dillon. Um, So should I use my number one waiver priority for Jamal Williams for the Basically, he wants to know if he can use his number one waiver priority on Jamal Williams. He doesn't need to play him. He does have RBs. I think you should. I think you should get Jamal Williams, get the safety. I'm going to talk about this very shortly, but this is going to be a long-term issue, I think, here with DeAndre Swift, Nate. Yeah, I agree. Jamal Williams is getting the high-value carries. He's getting the the red zone work. He's getting the goal line work. That's a problem for DeAndre Swift managers. Big problem. And are you with that as well? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go, go after Jamal Williams. And that'll actually lead me in my first headline tonight, guys. And it's like it or not, new season, same Swift. DeAndre Swift is a great player. He's a phenomenal player, but he has injury concerns. And we, we saw this, you know, his rookie year, he got concussed in a practice somehow. I kind of wanted to blame it on Matt Patricia, but it looks like maybe this is just a DeAndre Swift thing. He's a little bit of a brittle player. This happens. We've seen it with RBs. It's a position you're going to get dinged up in. But basically, my best advice is you need to have Jamal Williams with DeAndre Swift if you're going to roster him. I kind of want to get out of the Swift business. Honestly, if I, if I am rostering, you can't right now. 
You have to wait for that next explosive game. You can't sell him while he's low, but wait for that next explosive game and then maybe get out while you can. Are you guys worried about Swift long-term? Because I feel like I've just played this game and he's likely going to finish as an RB2 again overall on RB1 on a points per game basis. But I think overall, you know, I want to get out of this business. Jen, how do you feel? Yeah, agreed. I mean, when he went out in November last year with that injury and it was a, wasn't it season ending? Um, It was like, oh, and then people were drafting him in the first and second round. I'm like, hold up for a minute. Like, yeah, I know everyone was on the Lions hype because of, um, oh, what's it called on HBO? Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks. Thank you. And, And while that's a lovable story, it's, it doesn't translate to production you know i mean yep jared goff has been looking better this year but overall i mean i have never had a single share of swift not ever yeah chase saying here i'm thinking swift misses more time than expected i regret not getting and i'd regret not getting williams thanks guys hey thank you chay we hope you subscribe we hope you come back to the channel for more advice um we appreciate that um, Craig here has a question for us as well before we move forward, guys. Is Mac Hollins the real deal? Can I drop James Cook for him? Craig, I'm going to say it's going to depend on your roster here, what your RB depth is. I think Mac Hollins, like, he's going to be somewhat of a real deal, whatever that means, like, t- to you. I don't think he's going to be a guy you should start every week, but when you're in a bi-week pinch, if you're in a triple flex league or a three wide receiver league, I think you can throw him out occasionally. If Hunter Renfro misses more time, Devontae Adams normally misses a game or two a year. He's startable in those weeks. Um, but even before before this, he was getting a lot of targets. So I like Matt Collins. I don't think you're going to regret dropping James Cook anytime soon if you have some depth at RB. Nate, would you agree on that? I agree, but if you have a deeper bench, you don't have to get rid of James Cook. I don't know that I'd necessarily go after Mac Hollins. He's more of a spot play for me. I think he'll see usage, but he's he's a streamer. You're streaming him at wide receiver three and flex spots. He's not someone that you really want clogging up a spot on your roster. Whereas James Cook's competition is Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Easy on Singletary, man. Singletary went hard this past he did, but we've seen James Cook get more involved in the Buffalo offense. Has I think been. that's just going and it's just going to continue because he's such a good pass catcher. And Josh Allen doesn't want to hand the ball off; he wants to throw it, even if it's a two, three yard throw, a screen play. You're running some of these like backward pass plays. That's the kind of stuff that Josh Allen wants to do. James Cook will be very involved in that by the time the fantasy playoffs come around. I don't know that Matt Collins has that kind of involvement by the time you're in that spot. Jen, would you say this kind of matters more whether you need a play in the next couple of weeks or whether it's something long term? Because I do agree with you, Nate. I do think James Cook is the better asset down the road here as we make our way towards the fantasy playoffs. But right now, Matt Collins is definitely more of a start than James Cook is. Jen, what do you think on this? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not dumping any Bills player. Not not right now. I mean, okay. it just doesn't make sense, okay. especially because, you know, if we've seen what is this one good week of Matt Collins? Yeah. I well, mean, he, no, he, he, he had the week before he was okay. And was he good one, last week? Yeah. He, he's been, he's been consistent. He's gone over uh, 10 PPR points, at least in back-to-back weeks before this. So. Okay. Oh, wow. Brad Bolt just uh, dropped in here. Matt Collins had the same amount of targets yeah. as yeah, Adams last week. He did. And, and know, Red bring out uh, attributes to that for sure. But yeah. And how long is he out? 
Um, it was a concussion, so he should be probably back a here within the next week. Yeah, it's about one to two weeks is what Deepak yeah. normally tells us. So um, I'm going to stay on that. I don't think there should be any long-term effects coming back for him. But this Raiders offense, it's getting a little sketchy there too just because they are 0-3 right now. They have a very, very low shot of making the playoffs. Wasn't expecting that. I was expecting a huge jump from the Raiders this year. Well, I think that's more of a – I'm more concerned about if I'm an owner – manager of any of their backfield because that backfield oh, is just not yeah. they're not doing anything 100% agree Nate so and they might be and they might it's not for me <laughs> I dumped but, everybody I had yeah I don't I don't have but here's the thing is that even if they're bad they're still going to throw the ball a bunch yes so these receivers yep. still have because Devontae Adams still going to eat they're not going to win a ton of games but if they score two touchdowns and lose two of those touchdowns could be Devontae Adams yep mm-hmm. Darren Waller yeah I like it. I like it. Continue bringing the questions for us. We'll try to answer them as we move along through the show here. Um, Nate, why don't you go ahead and bring up your next headline here? It's one that I think is uh, people aren't going to like it. No, I don't like it. And I have been the biggest fan of Darnell Mooney all offseason. Same with Cole Komet. But this is a case where I have to kind of look at it and realize that, like it or not, guys, Darnell Mooney is droppable. Mm-hmm. They're not uh, throwing the they're not they're not throwing the ball enough, and when they do throw the ball, they're throwing it to guys like Byron Pringle, Equinomius St. Brown. It's weird out there. Khalil Herbert's going to get more targets than Darnell Mooney going forward, probably. Khalil Herbert's the only guy you want on this offense. St. Brown has looked like decent too. Like it, it's absolutely like they're he's kind a, of using him like his brother now a little bit. You know, like the Packers. I think he's a. Way. He's a great DFS dart play. I played him last week. It kind of paid off for me. Okay. But most of this offense isn't rosterable in redraft. Khalil Herbert, Justin I, Fields in super flex. I agree. And we're getting it's, people in the comments bad. here saying that dropped Darnell Mooney for yeah. D Burks. And like, it's understandable. It's just, and they're winning. That's the worst part of this. I think too, is like they're two and one throwing so little. And I mean, maybe now it changes a little bit that they don't have Monty, but Khalil Herbert is the only guy I on the Bears I am starting moving forward here for at least until Montgomery's back. Jen, are you in on that as well? Yeah. I mean, watching Khalil Herbert over the last, what, three games has just been outstanding. And with Montgomery out of the way, it's like the, the sky is the limit. And we, we won't talk about Cole Komet because we know how everybody feels about Cole Komet right now. But, yeah, I mean, drop Darnell. It's weird to say. And, you know, like the crazy thing that like I feel like not a lot of people are talking about too, and you can blame the scheme again. You can blame the offensive line again. You can blame the lack of weapons. And I think that's all fair. That's very all fair to do. But Justin Fields has not played good. He looked better at times at the end of last season. He looked way better at Ohio State. This is the worst football I've seen Justin Fields play. And I've been watching the guy pretty closely for the last four or five years. So it's really... You know, it's hard to see it. Maybe he can turn it around. But I think as of right now, Nate, you're right. Darnell Mooney is droppable. Um, Let's move forward, though, because we've talked way too much about the Bears this season. Jen. (laughs) All right. Up next. uh, Like it or not, Bill's baby throws temper tantrum. I mean, I think we've all we've all seen the uh, Ken Dorsey reaction to the Bills losing on on Sunday. But no one else in the room was surprised by this behavior. And I'm like, hey, bro, chill. 
it's one loss. Yes. A frustrating loss. I will give you that. Like that is one where you're just like wrong move. What just happened? I planned differently for this. Everybody did. Everybody's frustrated, but like for the three other guys in the booth who are just like still staring straight ahead, there's like no emotion. I'm like, so he's obviously reacted poorly before. I think it's hilarious. I love it. Oh my God. I laughed so hard. The, the second it happened, I was like, (laughs) what What is this? And then they kept replaying it. And I was like, this is very entertaining, very entertaining, a little concerning that no one else was uh, put, put off by it in the booth. But like, I get it. He's apologized. He said he's going to learn from it. But that was just a moment for me where it was like he showed true humanity and frustration for his team. And it makes you feel good about the Bills. Like it makes you feel like these guys care so much from the coaches down. We've heard it from Von Miller. These guys want to step on throats. They are killers is what Miller has said. Like I, it makes me want to invest in the bills even more, you know, and Nate, like maybe what you were saying earlier about be patient with James Cook and that type of thing. Maybe you're right on this because it was an eye opening experience, but it was absolutely a hilarious moment as well, Jen. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. Well, I think what Jen said, it speaks to how much they want to win. And like, that's impressive. And for the city of Buffalo, and then yeah. we can move on. Growing up watching them lose four consecutive Super Bowls the way that they did, I oh, my heart always hurt for Jim Kelly and Steve yeah. Levy. Like I always felt or Marv Levy, I always felt so bad for that organization and those fans. I hope they get a ring, man. I hope they get it this year because Russ is coming for them next year, hopefully. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll round us out here in headline hijinks with my headline, my like it or not. The hallway has opened to an RB1 finish, baby. And I'm talking about Brees Hall, the rookie. I've been telling you to be patient. I've been acquiring even more shares. I honestly think I have like probably 75% roster ship percentage of cro- across all redraft leagues right now. And a couple of those have been trades in the last couple of weeks for people who were panicking. And Michael Carter's a solid player, Nate. You and I liked him a lot last year when he came into this. But Brees Hall is the real deal, deal, guys. He finally saw the snap share 51%. However, he is leading all running backs in targets right now. It has been incredible. Some of that is Joe Flacco inflating this. They're not going to throw 50 times a game. We know Zach Wilson doesn't throw as much to his RBs as Joe Flacco for sure but he is leading all RBs and targets right now. And like we saw a rookie do it last year with Najee Harris. So this could be something that holds up. He has five receptions um, in two of his games, at least. And it's been fun to watch and eight in opportunities guys too, like eighth overall and weighted opportunities. So he's getting valuable touches. We haven't really seen him be a goal line back yet, but the jets don't really get on the goal line. Um, so I think it's just going to be more of the same. And if you were patient on Brees hall, Congratulations. If you don't have Brees Hall yet, I think this is the last time you can get him at any sort of a discount. I'm pounding the table once again here, guys. I'm with it. I'm concerned about when Zach Wilson comes back for a lot of this offense, but I think that Brees Hall and Michael Carter are two guys who will be fine. Their usage will continue because they're going to have to play the short game. Zach Wilson has a big arm, but he's not super accurate. 
Brees Hall has shown that he's valuable in that short passing game. And that's like, I, I can't tell you how much that Brees Hall might be better with Zach Wilson because they're going to wow. need him more in that short passing game. I think the same might ring true for Michael Carter. These might be the team leaders and targets while Zach Wilson is behind center. Yeah. And we have Scott here in the chat saying jets have the highest pass game uh, and highest RB target share right now wheels up. So it's good to hear Scott, our other member of our podcast team here in the chat tonight, saying that he's wheels up on the Jets and they are going to get more volume on the ground eventually, Nate. And damn, these Jets have been frisky, my friends. They have been frisky. If I was right about one thing, it was that the Jets were going to be effing frisky this year. Jen, any final thoughts on the Jets, Brees Hall, um, my frisky Jets? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Nate in that, I mean, Michael Carter saw... 49% of the snap share this last weekend versus what you referenced 51 for Brees Hall. And I just feel like the sky's the limit. I feel like that will just continue to trend upwards. And I think that he's going to open up and show us what he can do in his rookie season. And the thing is, is like normally with rookie running backs, you get concerned early in the year. You see a lot of scratches in week one of rookie RBs. We saw Damian Pierce get off to a slow start in week one. And Brees has been consistent. He's been consistent to this point. We haven't seen the burst and the explosion and, you know, an RB1 type of day. But he's been an RB2 three weeks in a row now. Been very consistent. So I'm excited to see what we can get from him in the next couple weeks. But hang on, guys, because these frisky Jets are going to get fun once again here. Excited to see what they can do with Zach Wilson. But let's go ahead and move forward here to our next segment of the night. Temperature check. We're going to take the pulse of who the top wide receiver, RB, QB performers are, and who you can expect to continue that stretch. Temperature check. That's really spicy. Holy That's really spicy, guys. We're going to bring the spice. Let's talk about the current wide receiver ones. And this is a fun thing I like to do after every like three or four weeks. We talked about it last week or last year. And I remember Scott was on with us and we nailed it. Like Mike Williams had potential to be a wide receiver one, Jamar Chase, like what we were buying, what we weren't. Let's look at some of these uh, wide receiver ones on the season. Christian Kirk is the wide receiver six right now, guys. Curtis Samuel, wide receiver eight. Marquise Brown, after a big performance here in week three, wide receiver nine, and Amari Cooper, back-to-back 20-point performances for Cooper in the Cleveland Browns, wide receiver 12. So, Nate, looking at these, how do you feel about any of them finishing as a wide receiver one or at least a high-end two? I think Christian Kirk's a wide receiver one. Back to my previous point about is this Jacksonville team actually good? I think they are. And I think Christian Kirk is a wide receiver one. And I think he should be valued as such rest of season. I don't think that Curtis Samuel and Amari Cooper can maintain what they're doing. Cooper still has Brissett for 11 more games or for eight more games. It's just not good for Cooper. And Hollywood Brown's got Hop coming back. I, I really think it's Kirk out of this group. Jen, how do you feel about that? Are you going to take take your husband's side on this one? I mean, yeah. He's had 72 yards, one touchdown, six completions over nine attempts last week. Lawrence, like I alluded to earlier, he just looked like the guy we've been expecting. You know, right, they're showing right. signs of chemistry. I don't know if it was a Chargers slump or it's the real deal in Jacksonville because of that crazy, wild, high-scoring game. Um, but he looked good. 
Christian Kirk looked good. Yeah, 27 targets for him. That's the big thing. Like he's averaging around nine targets per game. So he has a very, very safe floor. I think he's going to be a really solid or wide receiver too. We haven't seen like the huge burst week again. He's, he's hovered around 20 or so points, a little under. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do. The one thing I will say about this group, I definitely agree. I'm in agreement here. Christian Kirk out of this group of, of wide receivers who are overperforming, I'm least likely to sell him out of this group because I think he will maintain it. Um, as for Cooper, I, I'm a little bit concerned. Um, he's been great, and I think he'll continue to get a high target share. David Bell, Donovan People Jones have not really stepped up like we wanted to, but I'm just kind of curious as how the Browns team will continue to f- go. They are an up and down team. Marquise Brown, we know this is going to take a hit once D hops back in week six. So I'd be cashing out of Marquise right now if I could be, honestly. Um, huge target share in that last game, 14 plus targets for him. Um, but Curtis Samuel's interesting because I, I think you're right that Nate, that he probably can't keep this up, but he's top 11 in the league in targets, top eight in routes run and top five in receptions. So like he's getting the volume. Are you concerned about possible injury risk? Are you concerned about them? Maybe like making Terry McLaurin a more focal point or Brian Robinson's return. Is there one thing specific that sticks out to you? So there's two. I'm worried about him staying on the field, but I'm also worried about how this offense shifts when Brian Robinson's back because it looked like he was going to be kind of a bell cow back in this offense before the unfortunate injury. But when he comes back, like it wasn't for as serious as it was, it wasn't really like a physically altering injury. It's something he can come back from pretty quickly and he'll be back to who he was in preseason. I think this becomes more of a running team because they've got to minimize Carson Wentz's mistakes And it's not just interceptions, it's just poor throws that are anywhere near a target that become near interceptions. And the way they do that is when they get their effective runner back, which they don't have right now, they go to Brian Robinson far more often. Jen, are you kind of in the same agreement? Like, I agree with what you're saying. They do need to get a run game going, Nate, and maybe they will. However, you have to think about it at the same time. Their defense is pretty bad. So, like, those game scripts are going to be positive for Samuel, Jahan Dotson, and the bunch. It could be. But also, if you can effectively run the ball, you win the time of possession game, which for a bad defense is something you absolutely want to do. Yeah. Um, We have a question here from Albert. So, would you sell high on Hollywood Brown? I probably would. I probably would, Albert. Like, I'm not selling him low. But if, if someone in, in your league is going to see, wow, this guy got, you know, 14 plus targets last week, he's a buy. I would get out while you can, honestly. Like, he's going to take a hit when D Hop comes back, at least some percentage of that target share. So I am considering selling Hollywood Brown high. Hollywood Brown is someone who, honestly, too, doesn't win a lot of fantasy football championships at the end of the day, Albert. That is my one other thing. Like, he was hot last year, he's been hot times in his career but he normally has a downside. He was a wide receiver one through the first half last year. Through the second half, he was pretty awful. Um, Lost me a lot of fantasy football championships at the end of the year. So, Jen, are you okay with selling Hollywood Brown high and and holding on on maybe Curtis Samuel? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We've seen one touchdown out of Marquise this this season, and I don't know, Kyler Murray's got some beef going on. I just, I don't know how I... I don't trust the Cardinals. I think that's part yeah. of it too. I, I don't trust the Cardinals. We know that maybe the Kyler Call of Duty dip is going to come eventually. Um, he's going to get worn down. I think that's more what it is, is he gets worn down at the end of the season. Um, and, and Scott here in the chat saying, 
and do, and don't sleep on Zay Jones. Absolutely, absolutely, do not sleep on Zay Jones. We talked about him a couple weeks ago in our short thing sleeper of the week. He didn't come through last or two weeks ago, and we talked about him, Nate, but he did here uh, in week three. So that was cool to see as well. Yeah, again. I'm all in on this Jacksonville offense. I think that they're going to be explosive. They're going to win the division. We're looking at a Jacksonville playoff team. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Wheels up here in Jacksonville. We're saying, let's go ahead and talk about RBs and the current RB1s. So, James Robinson, another Jacksonville Jaguar, currently the RB2 on the season. Congrats to him. That is a great feel-good story that we love to hear here at IBT. CH. RB3 on the season. I don't think we expected that. A lot of touchdowns for him. Um, Simon, actually on FYF earlier today, he put up what his – he has something crazy that he would be on pace for, an insane amount of receptions, an insane amount of touchdowns. So something to keep in, in mind there, RB3 for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Cordell Patterson is going to be your RB5 through three weeks. Congratulations to him. The Falcons have kind of looked nice as well. Jamal Williams, RB7. He did this last year, kind of blew up the first couple weeks. But we all already have Swift banged up, probably out a couple weeks here. And then Khalil Herbert, Nate's boy there, RB8. Antonio Gibson, then RB12. So, like, half the RB1s guys right now are guys that were in that RB dead zone or even past that, you know, drafted RB35+. plus. So, w- what do you first make of this group? Because I think it's just crazy to look at the names on this list. I mean, Cordero Patterson, CEH, like, Jamal Williams, Khalil Herbert doesn't really surprise me that much. Antonio Gibson, I'm surprised he's that low, actually. But, like, (laughs) current RB1s, it's just crazy. You look at most of the RB1s that were drafted up there, and and they've kind of disappointed so far in compared to these guys. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. What I think is interesting is we've got James Robinson, who just tore his Achilles, Corderell Patterson, who's like 75 years old. (laughs) Antonio Gibson, who used to be a wide receiver. Khalil Herbert, who's supposed to be the RB2 on his team. CEH, who is left for dead. Jamal Williams, who's a clear backup. Like, what's even happening here? But (laughs) I think we're seeing some of the things we thought were going to happen come true. James Robinson is a better running back than Travis Etienne. Now there's no question. As long as he can stay healthy and on the field, he is the lead running back in Jacksonville. And that's actually valuable for fantasy we're seeing. CEH is going to fade. His numbers are unreal. He can't remain this efficient all season. Corderell Patterson's old. Jamal Williams might be able to stick around like RB 13 or 14. But Khalil Herbert is the real deal. I think he kind of owns this offense in Chicago but he's, he's the dual threat. He can run the ball. He ran for 157 yards last week, but he's also the better pass catching backs. He's not the better pass catching back. He Monty, is the better. No, he's not. He's Mon- the better, he's the better route runner. He's the better pass catcher and he's better yards after catch. If you just watch the guy, I love David Montgomery, but we're also seeing durability issues with Monty. I think the issue with saying Khalil Herbert out of this group, and that's the question we're asking here, which one of these running backs, if any, can continue this pace, continue to be an RB1 this season? The issue with Khalil Herbert is we haven't seen it with Montgomery back healthy. If we can see him, and I think he has earned somewhat of a a share in this backfield, Nate, with what he did last week. So I, I agree with you there. But until I see it, it's hard for me to say, like, go all in, you know, balls deep on Herbert here. But but I get what you're saying. 
a lot of these guys, like I don't think Patterson will finish as an RB one just because we, we're going to see him probably break down again at the end of the right. season. He's on pace for 272 carries right now. Cordell Patterson, 1700 rushing yards. It is absurd. Yeah, yeah. And like only like 20 receptions. So they're probably gonna have to change what they're doing a little bit with him. It'll, I'm really curious to see, but it's crazy to see Cordell Patterson. When you actually just extrapolate those numbers, Nate, 1700 rushing yards and 20 receptions for a guy who we can, you know, think of as a pass catcher back. Well, yeah, it's dude. Atlanta's kind of, I mean, that team's kind of a joke. We've got Drake London. Marcus Mariota has been okay. They're not targeting Kyle Pitts. And what's going to happen is that Tyler Algier is going to start to get more comfortable in that offense. And for no reason whatsoever, one day we're going to see all of the volume start to go to Algier. It's going to be like week 12, week 13, right? As we're like, oh, Cordero Patterson, he's carried me through to the playoffs and he's gone. Kind of like what we saw last season where he just kind of faded. So for me, looking at this list, guys, and I'll go through what you guys think as well. I'm saying hold James Robson. I think he's the real deal. Sell CH, Scott saying in the chat, sell him yesterday. Yes, sell CH high. Cordell Patterson, it's up to you on that one. That one's a toss-up. Um, I think if you want to win a championship, you might want to think about selling him high. Jamal Williams, I, I don't know. I could go either way on that one. I, I don't think he – if someone's willing to pay top end for him, sell him. Um, yes. Khalil Herbert, you guys think to hold him, I think. I, I don't want anything to do with Chicago. Antonio Gibson, I'm saying, probably sell too. It's like – the only person I guess I'm really holding on this entire list, to be honest, that I wouldn't consider selling high is James Robinson, maybe Patterson. The rest of them I'm willing to move at, at a fair or above market value. Okay. I, I I don't disagree with that. Would you would you sell high on Herbert if if the Monty owners panicking mm-hmm. or if someone else needs an RB two this week? If I have a specific need on my roster that's more. Long-term? More long-term and more present than running back, then yeah, probably. Jen, a- a- any thoughts on what Nate and I are saying here? We're holding James Robinson. We're, we're okay with selling the rest of these guys high if we can. Yeah, I agree. It's too risky. I mean, Washington, eh, who knows still? I mean, this was supposed to be a revenge game for Carson Wentz, and we saw how well that <laughs> went for him. So, like, yeah. I just – I can't – I can't do anything with Carson Wentz. He can't, he won't pass. He won't, he doesn't do anything. So like, yeah, junk those two guys and uh, let's, let's keep J-Rob and uh, Khalil Herbert. Okay. Okay. Jen's calling to keep Khalil there. The the one thing I will say, and we talked about it last week on the podcast, Nate, on our Friday show is someone came in the chat and said they just got an offer. I can't remember who the players were, but it was two like mediocre players for Derrick Henry to get and obtain a Derrick Henry. And we said you have to do that. Like Derrick Henry is an RB1 who he's going to get the volume no matter how bad the Titans are. And there's a lot of people out there right now, Nate. They're panicking if they have Austin Eckler, if they have an Alvin Kamara, maybe a Leonard Fournette, a James Conner. More so the top guys than I think Conner. But if there's people panicking out there who have playoff Lenny, who have Eckler, who have Kamara, that's who I'm trying to buy low on. And I will gladly sell one of these other RBs who are performing well to get them. Yep. Oh, no, 100%, because you know the long-term value in some of these guys that are struggling early. Veterans have a hard time getting going, man. I have a hard time getting out of the bed in the morning. <laughs> so, like, I can't Every imagine day how, it's, 
just a minute. One more minute. I'll be there in a minute because he's still <laughs> laying <hard>. in bed. <laughs> we have some questions here in the chat. I want to get to guys. We have a Richie, uh, Richie, Laura. Hey, Richie. Good to see you tonight. First time. I think join the show. Hope you appreciate it. Um, good. We appreciate you being here. Should I drop Winston for Najoku? QB is Kirk. Titan is Knox. Um, I, I would say what it, I would ask what other what other QBs are I think are on the waiver wire. But I don't mind going after Najoku, especially if Knox has not been doing much here. Um, I think in most one QB leagues, you can probably find another QB down the road here. Jen, how do you feel about Richie's uh, question here? I mean, same. I don't know. Winston, he, he didn't look right last week. Um, and Joku's on fire. Kirk Cousins, he's consistent. And I think that Knox is ready for a breakout game. So... Um, I don't know. It depends you're on your hesitant. needs, you're, but you're hesi- yeah. yeah, yeah, it depends on your needs, but yeah, probably drop Winston yeah. for Njoku. Yeah. Winston's a little banged up and like, there's going to be other quarterbacks out there. Honestly, guys, there, yeah. there's always in single QB leagues. I mean, we've seen Trevor Lawrence emerge. He might be an option for you if you need him down the road. Um, Jimmy G has been playing. Okay. Like there are options. I, I don't think anyone's scrambling to their waiver wire to get Winston. It, I don't think he has that much value. <laughs> N- Nate, are you with us here on uh dropping Winston for the, for Njoku? Yeah, but I love David Njoku and I think that he should be their feature tight end and probably Brissett's second or third option passing in that offense, but I'm all for it. it I just hope it continues with Njoku. Okay. So here's a great question from Albert in the chat. Hollywood Brown and CEH for Devontae Adams. And this is a trade I am smashing all day to get Devontae Adams. I want to consolidate in fantasy football. I want to get those top assets. Devontae Adams is a top asset. Even though he hasn't been great the last couple weeks, he's still been scoring touchdowns. He's still going to get that red zone volume. I am absolutely trading. This is a perfect example of a trade. Hollywood Brown and CEH for Devontae Adams, guys. Yeah, I don't know who's trading away Devontae Adams, but... uh... Yeah, if he's on the trade block and all you have to give up is Hollywood and CH, then a thousand percent yes. Yeah, that's an easy. All right, guys. Well, let's, let's talk about some uh, some current QB ones before we move to the waiver wire section here. Carson Wentz is at QB five. Tua QB six. Trevor Lawrence. We just talked about him a little bit. QB ten and Jared Goff QB twelve. So. It's kind of what we're saying out here is like there are QBs you can pick up on the waiver wire pretty consistently. You guys think any of these four finishes a QB one? We've had so many of like the top quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, um, Russell Wilson, of course, kind of underperform here. Tom Brady, too. Are you expecting those guys to get right? And these, you know, middle of the road guys who have performed great. Are you expecting them to fall? So I I think Goff and Wentz. They're guys that are coming back to earth. I don't see what they're doing since being sustainable. Wentz always just kind of fumbles it at some point. We know that. Goff does kind of the same thing. Maybe this is a resurgence year for him in this Dan Campbell offense. He has some solid weapons, but I I think he's QB 15 to like 18, somewhere in that range at the end of the season. However, I think two is the real deal, guys. Like we saw him beat a very good Buffalo team that two very good teams could not keep up with. I really like Tua. I'm impressed with what I've seen. And the same with Trevor Lawrence. I think he's a, I think he's a QB one 
why Jen's laughing at me. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. I, I, you were just higher on Tila than you were on Tua, and now you're on the Tua train. So I, I guess well, I'm just confused. But well, I mean, Tua I mean, just can't. I like them both, and I think that it's a it's a hitter. I don't know who's going to finish higher between the two. Over a seventy percent accuracy rating for Tua right now. He's completing seventy percent of his passes. He's been efficient. I think he has just the better overall team, maybe, and maybe that's why we're there. But Jen, it seems like you also have some faith in uh, T Law, the former number one overall pick, as well. I mean, I, I have faith in both of them. I, I, I think it's hilarious because based on lot, not week three, but week two's game. Um, people were projecting Tua to have a 6,000-plus-yard season. And I'm like, that's insane. I agree. I think you definitely need to roster both these guys out of those pack, out of this whole pack of quarterbacks. That's who I'm going with, Tua and Trevor Lawrence. They have potential to finish as a QB1. I think Tua, like we said, Nate, probably a little bit more upside here. But Trevor Lawrence, don't discount him either. His, His worst performance has been week one, 14 fantasy points. Could have been a little bit higher, had some drops in the end zone. And this last week, 25 fantasy points. So I do like Trevor Lawrence quite a bit. But guys, let's go ahead and move forward here in the show. Um, We have a a whole waiver wire section to get to um, and some free agent finds as well. So let's go ahead and start that up with In the Scope. I have the stars in my sights. Requesting permission to engage. In the Scope. All right. Appreciate all the new new faces in the chat tonight. Um, if you guys are tuning in for the first time, please hit that like and subscribe button. It helps us continue to grow and continue to be here with you guys seven days a week at IBT Media. Nate, let's talk about some of the surface targets here in the scope. And it starts with Khalil Herbert. We talked about him. You have to go get him if you need an RB. 25.2% rostered in ESPN League. So still very, very widely available, Nate, as well as Alexander Madison at 37.1%. Dalvin Cook, it looks like a little bit lesser of an injury for Dalvin Cook than some of these other ones. Um, but, Nate, I think we have to go out, out, out for these RBs here early on. Well, I think – so, yes, Dalvin Cook might be back a little bit sooner. But, dude, we consistently see this guy getting dinged up. If you're a Dalvin Cook owner, you have to go out and get Alexander Madison. You just have to. And, and it's, if you're – and if you don't have Dalvin Cook, you probably have to too because he's trade bait yes. at that point. Or you can throw he, him he in the really lineup. Is. Both yep. of these, both of these players are RB twos as long as their starters are out in my book and a high end RB two as well. Neat. Let's talk about a couple other ones before uh, we get into our actual in the scope targets. Tyler Conklin, eleven point five percent rostered. We've talked about him. I'm just gonna say it too. If you guys like like the Tyler Conklin prop bets lately have been awesome. They continue to undervalue this guy like. I've, I've hit a couple same-game parlays. I've been close to hitting a couple ones on the Jets. Um, they don't value him very well. So same with fantasy football here. Go get Tyler Conkling. He could yep. be a real deal, like a top-10 tight end this year. Zay Jones, he broke out last week, 8. 8.6% rostered. Um, Josh Palmer, 36% rostered. I think he's going to be a guy. We just saw Jalen Guyton towards ACL this weekend yeah. as well, Nate. So Chargers taking some injuries. And then Matt Collins at 0.9%. I have this group of wide receivers and tight ends, Nate. Is there one that sticks out to you? I think my favorite out of obviously Khalil Herbert, so we'll just throw him to the side. I really like Josh Palmer. Okay. It seems like there's something going on with Keenan Allen. I'm afraid it's going to be a little bit more lingering. I think they might be trying to rush him back a little bit. 
And this is an offense that's throwing the ball a ton. Guyton's out. I think that Palmer, I thought it was going to be DeAndre Carter, but it looks like it's going to be Josh Palmer. Okay. Okay. I like Zay Jones probably like out of the receivers. I just think he's going to get probably the more consistent volume all year long, as long as he's the wide receiver two for the Jaguars, which he's been great at it. Um, Tyler Conklin though. I also like, I got like, I'm spending fab for all three of those players more than Matt Collins. Definitely. If they're out there. Um, but Nate, let's go ahead and talk about error in the scope targets. And these are the guys you can get after waivers run. So if you're listening to us live on YouTube here or on the audio recording, that's going to be out on Wednesday, go look at your waiver wire after it runs and pick these guys up or put like a zero fab dollar bid on them. Um, Nate, why don't you kick us off here? All right, so we've all seen what's going on in New York with the Giants. Sterling Shepard tore his ACL. Kenny Galladay, they should probably just release him at this point. He's just, he's been absolute trash. However, Richie James, kind of a journeyman, not really a journeyman. He was a veteran in San Francisco. Yeah. Giants acquired him this offseason. He never really had the opportunity in San Francisco. He had better receivers in front of him. He kind of has this weird opportunity to have a little bit of a breakout. Shepard was kind of was Shepard was coming on. Kadarius Tony's been hurt. Like we mentioned, he was second on the team in targets after week three. That was this before. Is, yeah. The, and that was before Shepard got hurt. I know they love David stills. We'll see how that all works out, but I think kind of the one, two right now going into at least next week, it's going to be Richie James and Daniel Bellinger in this offense. Richie James is like barely rostered and most people aren't looking at him as like the guy because they're talking about David Stills. People are still enamored with, with Tony. The casual fan still thinks that Kenny Galladay is going to be something because he was a great like pun fantasy name when he broke out that one year in Detroit. It's going to be Richie James. He's not going to score a lot of touchdowns, but this guy is going to be a volume hog in this offense. If he was already second on the team in targets, you get rid of Sterling Shepard. Yeah. I, yeah. Nate, I I actually really like this call because this is like a great full point PPR play. 29 PPR points for him already this season. So he's hovering right around nine or 10. And that was before Sterling Shepard goes out. So right. he could see a volume boost here to around 12 PPR points per game, which is very viable, man. And he's making the most of the opportunities. He only has three incompletions to him all season. He's been efficient. Daniel Jones is liking going to him. And, like, his role doesn't change, I don't think, ever. I don't think, like, whether they bring Kadarius back or not into the fold, I think Kadarius might play a little more outside and Richie James can have a little more of the slot role. Um, I just think he's going to be PPR hog. So I'm with you, Nate. I I, I mean, what the hell? I, I would never have thought this. Like, Richie James and David Sills take over Kenny Galladay and, and this passing game, man. Man, it hurts my heart that Colin Johnson got hurt because this would be Colin Johnson all day, every day in this offense, but he's gone. He was starting to catch on, man. Well, Jen, we've talked about Giants, we've talked about Bears, and we've talked about Lions tonight. What do you have for us? Another jungle animal? (laughs) Nope. Quite the opposite. Um, I'm going Greg Dortch. Right now, he's only rostered in 7.3% of ESPN leagues, which I think is crazy. D-Hop is out for 
another three weeks on his suspension. Rondale Moore is out for, he, he might come back this week, maybe next week. We're not really sure with that hamstring issue. Um, but Dorch has a, an average snap share of 81%. He was targeted 23 times and caught 20 of those targets. Um, he's at 198 yards, one touchdown. And honestly, I think he's a short-term bridge if you need a wide receiver heading into week four. Okay. Okay. I like that. I mean, Greg Dorch, we thought it was going to be AJ Green to step up in this offense, and it was absolutely not. So yeah, I. Dorch completely passed him by. Yeah. The, the, the human Dorch, Albert's saying here on YouTube. Yeah, that's a great name. Um, I like it, Jen. I think Greg Dorch, if you need someone these next couple of weeks, could be a guy. And even maybe when D Hop comes back, he's been good enough. He might still have some type of volume. Um, we do have a question here, Nate, on YouTube from a new face in the chat, Chef. Nalabi, is that is that is that our chef and Nabi? Okay, what's up, chef? Good to see you tonight, man. I hope you're enjoying the content. Trade CH and Muth for Acres and Patterson. I could counter the offer with Godwin or ETN instead of Acres. I would definitely take ETN and Patterson for CH and Muth personally. I think you're getting two solid RB2s. CH is kind of right in that range for me as well. But I think ETN has he has some upside later in the season, I think, once he gets his feet under him. I'd probably make this deal depending on who my tight ends are. I don't know if I want to give up Muth. I, I know that offense hasn't been great, but when Kenny Pickett gets in, what if, what if like Tyler Conkling's out there on the waiver wire? Then I would totally like if if Muth is your tight end one, and you go get like a Conkling or maybe a uh, maybe someone like that. Like I, I would, I would be okay with that. Like Muth is good, and I like Muth, and you guys know I, I mean, got Muth on the shelf back there, but like I'm all right with. It. Okay, it said his his other tight end is Dallas Goddard. Absolutely, I would absolutely do that trade. I would. Yeah, I'd make that trade. Jen, would you prefer Godwin, ETN, or Acres in that package? He's saying he he can maybe counter with. I mean, I love Muth. I love Acres has really picked up the the pace here, at least last week. And, and Patterson, I know Nate keeps calling him old. He's thirty, and I made a joke about him breaking his hip. But you know, like, um, I mean, yeah, I th- I think I would go for it. Nate, would you rather have Acres or ETN? Probably Acres. I know it's riskier, but there's higher upside. I think that if Acres can get it together and get comfortable, yeah, you're Etienne probably stuck. Etienne's stuck behind J. Rob, man. Yeah, you're probably you're probably right. I think if you need to play these next couple of weeks, Acres, I would rather play than than ETN. You're probably right there. So yeah, I would absolutely do this, Chef. Um, love the YouTube name. Love you tuning in tonight, man. Hope you subscribe, continue to follow us. Um, we're here seven days a week, giving you good content between here and our website. Um, guys, let's go ahead. Nate or Jen, you already talked about yours. So I'll go ahead and round us out here with my in the scope target. And I can't really even pronounce this guy's name. I'm going to be honest (laughs) with you. Um, Ben Skoranek from the Los Angeles Rams. He's a player. I think you can go out tomorrow after waivers run and get him for absolutely nothing. And he might be a really interesting bench piece for you here, guys. Um, everyone thought it was going to be A-Rob coming into the seasons, that A-Rob was going to be the number two here. Not so fast. Ben Skoranek is beating him in targets, receptions, yards, and touchdowns. Um, 
Van Jefferson's now on IR, so you don't really have to worry about Van Jefferson. He got that knee surgery in August. Nate, I know you kind of liked Van coming into the season, but he, but he took that knee surgery. He hasn't been back yet. Skronik's seen 85% or more of snaps, so he's playing as much as A-Rob, getting more targets. And A-Rob just doesn't look good, guys. Like, like he looks like, like he tried to make a move off a, off a catch a couple weeks ago, and like he fell right away. Like It just doesn't look good. He led Skronik, this is, led the Rams – this last week, four for four and four sixty-six in targets, top twelve in target separation. That's what I like. He's getting open. So he's getting open for Matthew Stafford. And when Cooper Cup is seeing so many double teams, I think he might be the number two option here. San Francisco, Dallas, Carolina. None of those secondaries scare me. So I think if you need to play Ben Skoranek here, it, he's kind of like a Richie James. You know, I, I don't think he has tremendous upside. I think his upside is probably 18 points a game, you know, getting up there like a couple times this year, but I don't know. I like Ben Skronik here. It's not a sexy play, but I go get him for free. Some of the yeah, best plays in fantasy, yeah. Some of the best plays in fantasy football aren't sexy, but this is one that makes sense. The biggest thing, like you said, Seth, is that A. Rob just really isn't apparently it. He really he might actually be washed. What we saw in Chicago wasn't necessarily a symptom of a bad team, as much as it was that that's just the player he is now. Just a bummer because I invested pretty heavily in him. Um, but I like this call. I think Skoranek is probably the wide receiver too in this offense right now, and that might continue through the rest of the season. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So go grab him in Dynasty too. I think that's the other big thing. Go grab him in Dynasty. Um, guys, this has been awesome. This is awesome. Been chatting with you guys tonight. I think we are going to about wrap it up, though. We are a little bit past our bedtimes here on the East Coast. So uh, appreciate everyone tuning in tonight, man. Awesome to see so many IBT family members in the chat. So so awesome to see so many new faces in the chat. Jen, great to see you tonight again. I feel like I feel like it's been too long since you've been on the stream, fam. Yeah, it's been two weeks. I took I took a week off last week, and and that's it. But I'm glad my present my my lack of presence has been felt. Scott Absolutely. fills in perfectly. Uh, I think we're a good tag team here every other week. I agree. I agree. Well, it's great to see you here. Nate, I will see you, my friend, on Friday. Indeed you will. We will have oh, start. We have one, one question from Craig. What is the cat's name? It's Beckett. Named Beckett. after Josh Beckett, formerly of the Red Sox. We've had him for about 15 years, and he's a very vocal kitty who makes an appearance on every single show I do. Everyone. Very mm -hmm. awesome. Well, Jen, we appreciate you and Beckett being here tonight. We appreciate our guy Kyle in the back end being an audio editor, holding that down. If you guys are new to the channel, please like and subscribe. Come back here soon. We'll be back here on Friday. Take care until then, and good luck on waivers tonight. Your destination for both some feel-good lifestyle advice and some fantasy football advice.